welcome to the show. This is a very special treat today. We have on a very talented man, John Schneider. He, of course, is most famous for playing Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazard, which was a top five TV show for many years. And it spawned movies and remakes and reboots and tons of merchandising. Uh, but John has also acted in a ton of other stuff. 161 acting credits on IMDb that I counted, plus directing and producing. And he has a bunch of stuff coming out, including his latest Stand On It, which is a Smokey and the Bandit tribute. Uh, he's also had a really successful music career. And actually, he started as a singer, and his cover of Elvis Presley's Now or Never is the highest charting cover of an Elvis song. Um, and he has a new album out now called Truck On. Uh, it's country music. It's old-fashioned country music, not the uh, pop star country music you hear today. Uh, he also has a CBD oil. He has a charity that he founded. The man is very busy, and uh, we only had about 30 minutes in this episode, so I don't get to ask him all the questions I want. So if you want to learn more about his story, uh, get his book. It's called My Life, My Way. Some really interesting stuff about his background, like how he used to be overweight and then how he lost the weight. And, uh, you know, how he showed up to the Dukes of Hazard audition with a six-pack of PBR. Uh, just lots of interesting stuff about his background that we didn't have time to get into in this interview. But uh, in this one, we do talk about a variety of things. And, of course, I got to ask him about the Confederate flag because it's such an iconic piece of the Dukes of Hazard car. But, obviously, it's also very controversial and means different things to different people. So you may agree with John or you may disagree with his stance on that. Um, but I think it's worth hearing his opinion, at least. And uh, he does go off on a little bit of a political tangent, which uh, I find very interesting. But again, um, I always put the topics in the show notes. So if you want to skip that part, um, you can just listen to the other stories that, I, that he tells. Uh, but to me personally, I find it all fascinating. I like hearing his opinions and his philosophy on life and success because he's had a lot of success. And uh, I think he's what you expect. He's a good old boy. He's not mean and no harm. So just remember that and enjoy this episode. Welcome, John Schneider, to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. You are a true Renaissance man. You're a musician, an actor, a director, a producer. Uh, you've written a book. You have a CBD oil. You've started a charity. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I can twirl a rope, and I can juggle three oranges. <laughs> yeah, and you and you golf, too, although you said you're not very good at golfing. Oh, my God. It's a hard sport. My two biggest my two biggest laments are that I that I didn't start golf earlier and that I started golf at all. Right. <laughs> so what yeah, I want my, my two regrets in life. For sure. Yeah, no, I I hear you on that. So just what I want to do is maybe tell a quick abbreviated version of your life story. And then we have a lot of things to promote, too. But I think your, your story. Uh, I was a uh, I was born in Mount Kisco, New York, which is Westchester County, New York. Right. And uh, I was one of those kids that went to the uh, the double feature every Saturday. So I spent a lot of time watching movies and uh, somehow, some way at about eight years old, I, I, I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Well, tell me this uh, uh, dream, though, because you had it. This is so fascinating to me. You had a dream of Lost in Space and you dreamt uh -huh. they were filming at your dad's shop and there was camera and lights and craft services. But how did craft you know what? Service. How crazy is that? How did you know what craft services was at eight years old? I didn't. I didn't. So that uh, that to me was an indication. And I'm not all that freaky deaky, you know. But yeah. but I did have that dream that I was sitting on the steps with Billy Moomy, Will Robinson, while they were setting up for a shot. Uh, so the the lights, the camera, the crew, everybody was there. 
it wasn't a, a eight-year-old or a nine-year-old lost in space with the Robinson family. They were there filming. And come to find out, uh, the dream was very accurate. So is that a vision? Maybe. Um, I had and I had another one that uh, I was at a, um, I was probably in Atlanta by this time. So I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And I had a dream that I was at a party in a tuxedo. And I'm also a magician. So I wore tuxedos a lot as a kid. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, back before magicians were like street magicians and looked like homeless people. <laughs> um, yeah, biggest magic for a street magician is getting uh, is making a job appear. <laughs> but, um, That's good. But I had this dream. I was in a tuxedo at a cocktail party, and I bumped into somebody, and I said, oh, excuse me. And the guy turned around, and it was Dean Martin. And Dean Martin uh, said, thank you for having me here. And I remember as a kid thinking it, it was great because I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like uh, I hadn't crashed the party. It was my party that he was attending, which is a weird kind of a dream for a 14 year old to have. Yeah. At the time, Dean Martin was uh, on the, uh, the, had Dean Martin and the gold diggers. He had done Rio Bravo with John Wayne. So Dean Martin was a big star, but sure. in my dream, when I bumped into him, he was at my party. Maybe, maybe 10, maybe 15 years later, we were celebrating leaving uh, Children's Miracle Network, which is an organization I founded. Uh, we were at Videopolis at Disneyland, finishing up our last year. We did the, we did the party there. I'm the host of the party because, you know, it's my party. I bumped into someone. I said, excuse me. I turned around and it was Dean Martin. Oh my God. He said, thank you for having me here. What does and, it, did you, you know, tell him the a, story? That's that there was a historic rift between, uh, between Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis because children's miracle network apparently was the only other charity other than, than muscular dystrophy mm. that Dean ever did. And that caused an argument between the two or so oh. I heard. But imagine that, you know, so my my exact dream came true. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So so I do believe that we're here. Uh, I do believe that we are here with a design and with a purpose. And there is something very specific that you and I and everybody who's listening and watching um, was specifically fashioned to do. Yeah. Me, for whatever reason, I, I, I realized that or discovered that at about eight years old and have really never varied from it. Yeah. And you just kept going. So fast forward, you, you get the you know job on Dukes of Hazard. The show's a big hit. This is something right. I was always curious about, though. And I, th I think it was like season six or seven. They replaced you guys with these other characters over a contract. Yeah contract yeah, dispute like us. yeah it was really like i never understood that that was a big thing in the 80s but you know it, when you think of hollywood now you think of all this you know power to the people the working man and so is that hollywood corporate greed is that something that was bigger in the 80s or is that something that's still there that's maybe just more hidden uh define that a little more the corporate the corporate greed has not gone away and uh 
Well, it's yeah, because it seems it's, like it's very difficult for for people who get paid uh, ridiculous amounts of money to for me to believe that they actually care about the downtrodden. Right, and that's what's you know, so interesting of what they say. Uh, you know, yeah, they're. Uh, <laughs> Let me see. You know, the issue is that there isn't anything the size of Dukes of Hazard anymore or the size of Chips or Dallas or uh, or uh, Falcon Crest. I mean, we averaged 28 million people a week for seven years watching the show. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Um, there were only three networks and they replaced us because we didn't come back. We thought we were. Uh, we thought that we were going to reach a very quick solution and in a nutshell what happened with dukes of hazard is it made so much money in merchandising so quickly uh and warner brothers had us signed to a a boilerplate uh merchandising deal that should have netted tom wopat and i 25 30 million dollars by 1982 because uh, Warner Brothers in 1982, to, by their own press, they released a statement where they had made, I think the number was $320 million in Dukes of Hazard merchandising in the calendar year 1982. And Tom and I each, our, our share, which was supposed to be 6% of the, of the net, net is a very dangerous word, but 6% of the net was about $6,500. So our share of $300 million was $6,500. So we called that to their attention. Yeah, that doesn't and seem they fair. they were not interested in, in uh, having a conversation. So we said, look, we've got a, we have a, a sneaking suspicion that, that there's a bunch of money on the table here that's supposed to be ours. And uh, so we're we're not going to come back until this is is settled. Now, history many times, even on these amazing YouTube videos, which I get sucked into where I'm watching, you know, television history and things you didn't know. They still say that we held out for more money. We did not. Number one, we did not walk off the set. We didn't come back. There is a difference when you tell someone, look, I'm not going to come back until we straighten this out. You've given them ample warning and they have a way to prepare. When you walk off the set, you are violating a contract. And I don't care what your problem is or what your grief is. That's not the right thing to do. So history has it wrong. We did not walk off the set and we did not hold out for more money. All we did was hold out for a, an accurate accounting of what we felt we were owed contractually, mm -hmm. as did our our uh, representative. I mean, a lawyer would not have taken that on if he didn't look at it and say, wow, you know, this is uh, this is wrong and it should be easy to fix. Right. It wasn't easy to fix. It never got fixed. And uh, it, it cost me millions of dollars in 1983. Uh between between money I did not make and money that I had to pay in taxes uh, on money I had. It's just a disaster. It was uh. a disaster.
Did you at least um, get um, royalties for the reruns and stuff? Because that was kind of at the cusp. Oh, we get we get very little. Yeah, it's very okay. it's very minimal. Because in like um, the '50s stars, they get nothing, right? It wasn't until later that they that the stars negotiated to get money right, on. The- I think that was Desi Arnaz. Uh, mm. I, I, history has it going to Lucy, but I think actually it was Desi Arnaz and I think Jackie Gleason uh, with the Honeymooners had a lot to do with uh, with making sure that uh, if if product is able to be uh, continue to be sold throughout the decades, right? Um, then the people who are in it should be compensated for that. Um, and they weren't before. Little Rascals got screwed. The uh, um, Abbott and Costello got screwed. Uh, the Three Stooges, all six of them, I think there were five or six of them, got you know terrible. They didn't make anything past um, the first airing of the show, mm. um, which is you know really really tragic. And that goes back to your corporate greed question that that hasn't changed at all. So it's kind of just more hidden now. It's not outright. It's well, I think what happened, honestly, is that uh, that a lot of contracts were written because of the debacle of uh, Tom and John. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people were far more careful afterwards when they made those deals on both sides. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I think they, they defined what the accounting was going to be far more clearly so that uh, so that there wouldn't be an oversight or so that someone would not feel they were being uh, taken advantage of, or they got a little more clever at taking advantage of people. I'm not sure which one of those things, uh, there was no merchandising. I was not involved in merchandising on Smallville. Oh, uh, um, and I tried to be, but you know, because I'm the guy that opened that can of worms or one of the two guys that opened that can of worms. Uh, and because it was yet again, a Warner brothers show. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get uh, I didn't get a piece of that. Right. And so and then Dukes of Hazard. I mean, when you talk about reruns, like there really isn't reruns of that show streaming because obviously because of the Confederate flag issue, which I know you've talked about many times. And, you know, it means different things to different people. And uh, you know, now I even see people saying the American flag is offensive. You know, and those people offend me. And that, <laughs> so they, you, they offend me. Which is okay. It's all right to be offended. But, you know, honestly, if you're offended by the American flag, which I realize right now, it's, I mean, my grandfather's rolling over in his grave, as are uh, every other World War I, uh, World War II uh, veteran who's passed on. Uh, it's, it's, uh, re- I'm going to say it's a travesty, but it really is another T word. In, in the 1940s, it would be treason. And I think it still is. Um, burning our flag or defecating on our flag or tearing our flag down. Or, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a patriot is a bad word now to some people. Well, if patriot is a bad word to you, then screw you. <laughs> Sorry, go away. Are you familiar with the, uh, the, the story of Speedy Gonzalez? I'm familiar with the with the uh, with the cartoon. Oh, you're oh, you're going to love this. So they took Speedy Gonzalez off the air because it was offensive. Well, the Hispanic American Rights Organization, uh, they started a petition to bring it back because Hispanic (laughs) Americans love Speedy Gonzalez. He's a cultural icon to him. So then they brought it back. 
So that's when you talk about things meaning different things to different people. It's just it's kind of interesting. Well, well, we're having a we're having a uh, the uh, the Black Lives Matter people managed to put um, the African American woman who played Aunt Jemima out of business. That's right. You know, and that's another that's another issue. Where wait a minute, this is not a this is not a slur. This was never meant to be a slur. Um, you know, the world doesn't have to change because you on your high horse or low horse or medium horse <laughs> take offense to something. Right. You know, so what if you take offense to something? Um, just because you think uh, wearing, I'm going to make this up, but just because I'm wearing a red shirt, that obviously means I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of the Bloods versus the Crips doesn't mean that's what this means to me. Right. I'm that's, wearing a red shirt point. because we did a tribute to Smokey and the Bandit called Stand On It. And we just did a, a, uh, a sequel to that called Poker Run. And I was just out doing some shots in our car, our, our Hellcat. It's not a Trans Am. And that offends some people. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a Chrysler guy. Yeah. <laughs> so we made a Hellcat with T-tops and it's triple black and it has gold rims and it looks like the Smokey and the Bandit car, but it's a it's a Dodge. But I'm wearing this red shirt because I want to wear, the, wear this red shirt because I'm working on a movie where I wear a red shirt. And you were actually in Smokey and the Bandit. You snuck on the set and you got a role as an extra, right? I did. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a role. I just kind of got placed somewhere. Okay. Um but how did but they not did kick you the off? With Jackie Gleason. I spent the day with Jackie Gleason, which was fantastic. Uh, so I, uh, Jackie Gleason at the time was living, I think, in, uh, in Peekskill, New York, which is not far from Mount Kisco. So I dropped a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, I was only 16, but I knew the names of all the bars in, uh, in Westchester County. So I dropped a bunch of bar names, which immediately got his attention. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we, so I sat and chatted with Buford T. Justice before the world met him. Wow, uh, which I thought was I thought was pretty cool. That's but uh, but you know back to the other thing. You don't have a right. There is no constitutional protection for being offended. <laughs> That's true. Hey, so let me ask you this: you you work with Tyler Perry on the show, The Haves and Have Nots. It's a big part, right, of which I think we had our last episode last night. Is it the last, the final of the whole thing? I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So you work with Tyler Perry. Now this is a guy, I mean, to me is such an inspirational story. I mean, everyone talks about systemic racism. I heard he is a actual billionaire. So how does he beat the odds? And does he have a stance on the flag stuff or does you, do you guys ever talk about that? Oh gosh, I don't know. But he, I, I do not know. He doesn't cancel um, you. He lets he you beat the odds the way anybody beats the odds. He worked his ass off. You know, he created opportunity which you have to do. You have to be able to create opportunity and you have to be able to recognize opportunity when it shows up. And this one I think is most important. You have to expect opportunity to show up. If you don't expect it, you won't recognize it. If you don't expect it, you won't be prepared for it and you will miss it. So uh, Tyler is a very hardworking, hardworking guy. Um, and he's he's uh, about as smart a human being as I've ever met. Wow! So uh, 
I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things we don't agree on, but we don't talk about those things, you know, which is we talk about some of them, but that's but that's OK. You know, it's OK. Mm-hmm. Here's another newsflash, folks. It's OK to disagree. Absolutely. That's what makes this country so great. Well, yeah. And, and uh, nowadays people are trying to, uh, I guess the word would be homogenize the public perspective and public conversation to the degree that no one is allowed um, to have their opinion. You know, it used to, used to be said that everyone has a right to their opinion and opinions are like a-holes. Everybody's got one. And they all stink. Well, pe- people are no longer, that's right, they all stink. And people are not, uh, somehow there's a, there's a feeling that that's not okay. Well, that, that truly is conversation and debate are what make change happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's what makes the world go round. Absolutely. It's what makes art. You know, if everyone looked at a painting and saw the same thing, it would not be art. It would probably be a, a uh, I, I don't know what it would be, a thing on a wall covering up a crack in the, or a hole in the plaster. Right. You know, we, uh, they used to also say, viva la difference. Well, different opinions and, and different tastes in shirts and different tastes in music and food and different uh, religious and political perspectives are what make humanity great. Absolutely. And it is what sets the United States of America apart from every other uh, Marxist, socialist, communist country is that we are free to believe what we wish. We are free to think what we wish. We are free to strive for that which we want to strive for. Only here. Right. Um, now, it's an interesting line, though, when you get to the point where you say, well, yes, you're free. That means you're free to do stupid things <laughs> like burn the flag. Yeah. And I suppose that's true. However, um, I don't I don't want to give Lincoln credit for this, but I think it was Lincoln that said uh, here in the United States, we have the right to do everything except that which is wrong. You know, and there are things that are patently, blatantly, obviously wrong. At least there were. That we used uh, to all agree on. And now there's disagreement about some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And and disagreement is okay. But taking action against your country, stifling freedom in the name of freedom is an odd thing is an odd thing. You don't have the right to, I think that's why the word treason exists. I think that's why there's a definition of the word treason mm-hmm. that, that doing something against your flag vis-a-vis your country vis-a-vis your people uh, is wrong. Absolutely. Who defines that wrong? I don't know. I don't know who defines that wrong. Um, but it's to, to me, it seems pretty obvious that, that socialism doesn't work. Um, however, I'm not going to put a sign up on the front of my studio here and say no socialists allowed. <laughs> I'm just going to make it allowed. I'm just right. going to make sure that they know 
this is not socialist ground. Sure. This is my ground. And when you are in, on my ground, you will act appropriately. I don't care what you believe, but I care how you act on my ground. And the United States used to be our ground. There is a, a, a regime that's trying to remove that from us. And um, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. I think we're stronger than that. Well, I, I hope so. I hope we can all come together or and figure out what the... Oh, well, we won't all come together. Yeah, that's true. There's you know, going to be I mean, uh, uh, people um, on the uh, edges of each side that will... That are nuts, basically. And we used to laugh at those people, but now those people have a lot more power with social media and all this stuff. Well, I think social media, yeah, social media has given them a, a, a far, uh, it's turned up the volume on their voice. Sure. It hasn't made more of them. I, I still think they're a, a, a not-so-silent minority. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, they have a lot of time on their hands, so they figure out how to manipulate uh, social media. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, that's great. But, uh, uh but I think it's damaging for sure, uh, especially to, uh, especially to young people. You know, it's, uh, it, it would be odd 20 years ago for someone to grow up, uh, have a 13 year old say the flag was a flag of the United States was offensive. Uh, now I don't think it's, it's all that odd because, you know, kids just want to fit in and they want to fit in with the, with the most, uh, prevalent opinion on the internet. <laughs> and on the, the internet. internet yeah yeah people sure. have people people who have a lot of time on their hands because you know they're getting they're getting uh funding from somewhere i guess probably from those of us who work our asses off yeah um, well we've got know, not only now not only do we pay for our own lives and our own uh aspirations and our own families and our own children but now we're paying for yours yeah <laughs> Well, speaking of, we got off on such a tangent, which is all fascinating, but we I do did. want to let's promote something. Let's promote Everybody, some of this stuff watch, here. Cause speak, watch stand on it. yeah. Speaking of working your ass off, you've got stand on it, which is coming out, which is the Smokey and the bandit tribute kind of, and then I, yeah, poke, it out. Oh, it's out. Sorry. Poker run is out. coming out. And then you have all these other movies, trace Letches, They whisper one month out, Adeline candles. Like, I mean, you're just workaholic. You got so many movies coming out. Well, I love what I do. And, and once you get past 50 and I'm well past 50, you, you start thinking, hmm, I've already I've already spent more time here than I have left. Even if I'm only halfway through, but I don't know a lot of 122 year olds. Yeah, <laughs> um, I better I better hurry up. I better get started here. I better I better get some get some stuff done. Right. So uh, I'm very proud of uh, uh Trace Leches is a very odd, like stoner, stoner dude, uh, whoa, movie. Huh. Um, and uh, it's about three, three uh, dear friends who are all 25, who all have Asperger's. So they're all on the oh, autism spectrum. Interesting. Uh, but they're all, I mean, they're all just buddies who get hired to, uh, they fall for one of those things you get on your phone that says, hey, I'm in. I'm in the, the Netherlands and somebody hit me on the head and took my wallet. I need $2,500 to get home. Oh, uh, they fall for one of those. E okay. Well, yeah. They, what they fall for is uh, the guy says, Hey, I'm your uncle. I'm your uncle. And, uh, and I got, uh, I'm in the Philippines. I got hit over the head. I don't have any money, but I, I need you to deliver my car to me for 50. I'll pay you 50 cents a mile. When you, when, when I get my money, I'll pay you. 
So they're going to drive a car for 50 cents a mile. Oops, I lost you. Oh, you lost me. Hey, oh, there you're back. Okay, back. Yeah. There you go. Uh, they're going to drive a car from for 50 cents a mile from Baton Rouge to the Philippines. And doesn't it have pot in it or something or legal pot or? Well, there's uh yeah, there's some, uh, some inhalers, uh, some, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, vapes, some vape some pens, pot vapes in the back. Uh, okay. Gotcha. And they get paranoid. One of them gets paranoid about, uh, everything. He's got the munchies. He's paranoid and he calls the police and tells them that, uh, he, he can't flag down any of the unmarked cars. They won't stop. Oh, wow. So he thinks they're being arrested, which actually is a true story. I saw it on, uh, I, I heard oh. it on YouTube. There's a, there's a police call where, where these these guys have uh, have smuggled pot over a, a state line, and the problem is they smoked it, and they're at an Applebee's, and the one guy gets paranoid, so he goes out and thinks all the cars in the parking lot are uh, are unmarked police cars, and when they won't arrest him, he calls the police and has them has himself arrested. It's pretty funny. Oh, that's interesting. So it's, it's it's great. The language is is atrocious. Um, but I just kind of let the camera roll and, and, uh, it, it, it's very, very funny. Uh, the only, uh, person anybody knows who's in it is, uh, Austin St. John is in the movie okay. and, uh, he's great. Then we did another movie about, uh, about Alzheimer's, which is actually a pretty odd, funny look at Alzheimer's. I like to put a, uh, a comedic twist in just about everything we do. And Barry Bostwick is in that movie. Uh, Laura Calouette is in the movie. She's been in a bunch of uh, Tarantino's films. Oh. And I'm very proud of this. Ruth Buzzy. Ruth Buzzy from Laugh-In when I was a kid oh, is wow. in this movie. And it's called One Month Out. It's available also. Uh, all these movies are available at Cineflix DOD, which is our streaming service. We have. We are independent. You remember your your one of your initial questions about corporate greed. We do not have aspirations to be on Netflix or Amazon. We are uh, we are only interested in providing or, or in providing content for our own streaming service. That's called Cineflix DOD. Oh, okay, uh, and so that's where you can watch. Stand on it. You can watch Trace Leches. You can watch One Month Out. You can watch Alicia and I have done twelve movies since we met. Wow! And we've only been together for seven years. That's amazing. Um, now, if you want a DVD, which a lot of people do, I'm I'm very fortunate in that. Uh, you know, streaming has kind of killed a lot of the DVD sales. However, because I'm a guy who's been on television for 42 years, a lot of people still want my autograph, so they want autograph copies. <sighs> of the movies. So if you want an autograph copy of the movie, any of these movies, go to John Schneider studios.com and, uh, and check out the, uh, the movies that are there or, oh. you know, here's the greatest thing. I'm taking advantage of the world we live in. I have an app. It's called John Schneider. It's free. So if you get my app, it'll take you to Cineflix. It'll take you to the store. It'll show you the schedule. It'll, it'll oh, tell wow. you everything that we're doing. It is truly a stalker's best friend. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So tell me about the music. Cause I listened to a lot of your music uh, yesterday for the first time. And it's, it's really good because it's real country. I mean, not that today's country isn't good, but it's, it's more pop music. Your stuff is like old yeah. school, like Johnny cash, like, and you've got slow songs and you've got fun, like 
tongue in cheek songs. It's and the new album is called Truck On, and it's yeah, out. Truck On, and that's where uh, that great song Roy is, which is very. It's a throwback to you know. It's funny. My first memories of Charlie Daniels were not was not as a country artist. Charlie Daniels had a song called uh, "The Ride," where he uh, he was uh, going out to L.A. in his Chevrolet, token on a number and tuning in tuning on the radio. Uh, and for the older folks, they'll remember it's uh, where he said, "So I kicked old Green Teeth right in the knee." So uh, Roy is just a great like Jerry Reed, Charlie Daniels, wonderful story song. Uh, about a, a truck race across country where my guy winds up doing a, doing a, a kind of an accidental hit of nitrous oxide. It's for the truck, but he winds up with a snoot full of nitrous oxide and, and kind of floats across the line into California. It's hysterical. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love stories, not just story songs, but songs that have uh, meaning to them that aren't ditties. You know, yeah, yeah, Red Solo Cup sold a lot of sold a lot of uh, a lot of music, but it's a ditty. I'm I'm just not a ditty kind of a guy. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, uh, Truck On is a song on there talking about our highway heroes, uh, our our folks who keep the country rolling, but they really kept the country moving at all. They kept us from from uh, from uh, atrophy during the uh, during during the uh, I heard somebody call it the scandemic the other day. <laughs> so, uh, so they, uh, they kept us going. So there's some great music on there. We have another album came out, uh, last year called the redneck rebel, um, which I think is pretty terrific. Uh, and, uh, also the music from truck on a bunch of it is in uh, stand on it. Okay. And I go back, uh, I go back to Nashville. Alicia and I leave Sunday. We'll be in the recording studio on Monday doing the music for poker run oh fun so, and, and you yeah, tour I'm, too I'm the luckiest guy in the world i, I get to yeah. i get to I've, you know i've done music forever but now i get to not only do music but put the music in the movies we make and you do you do a lot because i saw you had tour day is that for to perform music or those speaking engagements or or uh because you're coming no, to wilcox music. arizona in it's my music, home state yeah. okay yeah that's I'm, for uh, Rex Allen, uh, Rex Allen days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be so fun. We'll have the band, and we show. Uh, I think we're showing stand on it there too. We're oh. a traveling. We're like uh, we're like a, a, a traveling island of misfit toys. So <laughs> I show up. I show up with a band and a stage, and I show up with uh, sometimes with a with a, uh, a pop up blow up drive in movie theater screen that's fifty oh, feet tall. We show movies. Uh, a lot of times we'll we'll partner up with a drive-in movie theater. I don't know if there's one there or not, but I do believe we're showing stand on it at that event. Okay. So uh, yeah, we uh, we do um, we do whatever we can to keep going, um, and it's and it's been great fun. And making movies, you know, now being being someone who was an eight-year-old watching movies that, that, you know, John Wayne and Robert Redford and Cary Grant and all these great things, Clint Eastwood still, thank God for Clint Eastwood. Um, and then being kind of a hired gun for decades and now being a guy who makes what I want, when I want, with whom I want, um, is really an, an incredible, incredibly enviable position. For sure. Um, but I pursued it. You know, with everything I had uh, and still do, but I pursued this kind of autonomy for four decades. Um, it didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. 
You know, the only thing that happens overnight is morning. <laughs> That's All a good line. Itself. I like that. Yeah. So you say you have fun with these things and people are surprised when they work with you that, oh my gosh, like making a movie and make, making a record, all this stuff that we thought was monotonous is you make it fun. And you, and you say it's because people try to make it seem difficult. You think it, maybe that's because of ego. Like they say, oh, my job is so hard being an actor. And you're like, no, it's not. It's easy. Oh my God. Have you ever dug a post hole, dude? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to. Yeah, I think, I think there's, uh, there's a lot to that. There's also a lot to trying uh, – trying to impress the powers that be uh you know if you're working for someone else and they're watching over your shoulder you want to look like you're you're busy um but also there's just a lot of people who have uh who have gotten into a, a directorial position that really don't know what they're doing mm. um there's such a need for content now you know there's 800 channels or a thousand yeah. channels or you know so and streaming so services. There are people, people who are driving the buggy who really don't know what to do with the reins. Mm. Um, and that's okay. I mean, you learn by doing. That's that's fine. I was very fortunate in that when I when I was doing Dukes of Hazard, the the people that directed Dukes were already 50, 60, 70 years old. So they had come from vaudeville to radio and then uh, were around at the inception of television and really invented how to shoot it. Um, so I, I was like a sponge. I still am like a sponge. I learned a lot from Tyler Perry. Um, I haven't learned a lot from a lot of people in the last 20 years, but I learned a lot from Tyler about efficiency and about how to, how to, uh, uh, how to push people to the point of efficiency, but not in, not any further. Cause one step after your maximum efficiency is a complete mental breakdown <laughs> and, that's good good advice you don't want to do that you yeah you want to do that but you want to know where that line is right and you want to help people get there right so uh so yeah it was uh, there's a, there's a lot to be said for inexperience in in people who are directing these days there's a lot to be said for trying to impress people uh and there's a lot to be said you know a, a part of some personality is that they want to feel like they're, uh, you know, all angst, angst ridden. And they're like, Oh, you know, we got to do this. It's tough. And uh, I'm just not that guy. You know, I, I, I get off on having people watch a movie that they've been in and go, my God, I don't remember even doing that. Did we do that? Yeah, we did. Cause there you are. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you, do you need to get going? Sorry. I, I've kept you over a you little. Know, I kind of, I kind of do. Okay. I do. I've got a, uh, I've got, I just got a message that when my picture went away, I just got a message. Oh. We're big believers here in prison reform. Oh. And I just got a message. We have a, uh, we have a, uh, a gentleman that we have, we are, we're, I don't know, the word is not really adopt, but we're, we're trying to give a, give a life after incarceration to a gentleman. And I, I just got word, I think, I saw it flash by, I think we're going to be able to give this, this man this opportunity. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I love hearing stories like that. So, okay. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, can you imagine how old are you? 43. Okay. Can you imagine being in jail since you were 18 for something you did when you were 18 still uh, at 43? I did so many stupid things. I probably should be in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, uh, prison reform is very important. 
Um, we have a, uh, a, a governor here who's very, uh, very into prison reform. We don't agree on a lot of things, but we agree completely on prison reform. So I'm a, uh, I'm a big fan of John Bell Edwards and the prison reform area. And that was the governor's office that was, uh, was chiming in a minute ago. So, uh, wow. I'm going to take that call. Fair enough. Fingers are crossed that, that, uh, we're going to have a gentleman here, uh, who not only paid his debt to society, but is a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous boost to society and an attribute uh, to our little society here. And I'm, I'm hoping we're going to be able to, uh, welcome this gentleman on the other side of the gate with open arms any day now. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll, I'll uh, fill in my, uh, the audience about your CBD line and the children's miracle network. And so I'll oh, let thank you, you. Yes. We're supposed to be talking about CBD, the CBO D line. Yeah. In a nutshell, I want to tell you folks that my wife two and a half years ago was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. She's still around. She's still kicking. She's healthier than she's ever been. And one of the things that helped it all work was CBD oil. It's not a magic thing, but it is a uh, what what I like to what I think about CBD oil is it's such a natural element in your body that it helps drive your your medication, your dietary changes, your uh, your supplements. It helps everything else work better. Yes. That's what I believe. I'm not a doctor. Uh, <laughs> but if you are if you are experiencing something like that or you're experiencing uh, inflammation or arthritis, um, it is a wonderful, wonderful addition to whatever it is you're doing. We have it in an oil you put under your tongue. It is apple pie moonshine because I'm Bo Duke. After all. <laughs> um, that's great. We also have it in a uh, in a, a topical form. That's a that's a bomb. Okay. Uh, our bomb is the bomb. That's what my wife says. <laughs> I like that. So, so check it out. There's going to be a link here. And uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate yes. your questions. And been... uh, I'm going to go see what's going on with our with our our, our wonderful gentleman and see if we can uh, adopt him. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. I really liked hearing your You're opinions welcome, and Chuck. stories. I appreciate it. Let's do this again. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. You, Bye-bye. Bye-bye, folks. John Schneider, ladies and gentlemen. I really enjoyed that interview. Of course, it's always nice when the guests suggest that they come back on your show. And again, you may agree with some of his political stances or you may disagree, uh, but either way, I think it's worth hearing his opinion and where he's coming from. The man has had a lot of success and he works very hard and I think we can all at least learn from that. Uh, so again, he has a lot of stuff going on, including all his film and TV work, his music, his CBD oil, his charity, the Children's Miracle Network, which he co-founded with Marie Osmond. And the links to all the stuff should be in the show notes along with my website. And this was a lot of fun and I hope to have more film and TV people on the show. So make sure to follow me on social media for future episodes and make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen or you watch. Thank you for listening all the way through. Enjoy the rest of your day and remember, shoot for the moon. <laughs>